those who are regular, what you expect us to do now is to work through a passage in the Bible. Um, if you're visiting, you may not have that expectation, but this week and next, we're looking at a topic or a theme or an idea, which means we will get to the Bible, but we'll spend more time um, on that topic, which means you need to listen carefully and judge what you hear, because as I try to consolidate what the Bible says on a topic, I've got more chance of making mistakes. So how about I pray as we think about, oh, hang on. The topic we're looking at, because the outlines didn't print, the topic is the comment or the, 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 the phrase people use, be true to yourself. So we're thinking about identity, be true to yourself. The sermon outline goes, what do people mean when they say that? And the second point, what does the Bible say? And the third point, where does that leave us? That's pretty easy. So how about we pray and then we'll, we'll think about it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you that you have given us your word in the Bible in a language that we can understand. Um, Lord, as we think about this topic, this question, Lord, please help us to be balancing it against your word. Please speak to our hearts, we pray, and please transform and renew us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So this week and next, we're thinking about kind of identity this week and gender next week. And today we're thinking about that saying which people build their life on. They make their big decisions based on the statement, be true to yourself. You put yourself in any particular context, be true to yourself. Sounds wholesome, sounds encouraging, sounds helpful, sounds right, sounds honest, because we don't want to pretend. We want to be who we are, and that's appropriate. Um, we don't want to be caving into peer pressure. We want to be ourselves. So be true to yourself. There's a good, wholesome ring to it. Be who you are. It's positive in that way. The world of Disney teaches us this message to be true to ourselves. And so the doctrine of Disney goes something like this. Discover yourself, be true to what you discover, and then follow your heart wherever that will lead you. Disney also builds on the assumption that your feelings define you. It's how you feel that matters. You need to embrace the way that you feel. You need to act on your feelings no matter what other people might say. And so you'll be familiar with the way Disney packages this into their, their movies and into their cartoons. You can replace different characters, but the general gist goes like this. The main character has, this, has been going along with their family and what their family wants, just playing their part in the family. They've been doing what their friends expect them to, um, doing everything that's expected of them, but at some point, things come to a head. It just doesn't feel right to keep doing that, and they realise well, they need to be true to themselves. And so they go against what everyone expects of them. They be who they really are. And then everything just falls into place. That Their whole life just opens up before them. It all makes perfect sense. Life is better for everyone around them as well. Everyone accepts them for who they are. That's in the movies. That's in the cartoons. That's the Disney doctrine. The assumption behind those movies is that it's always best to follow your heart, to be true to who you are, to be who you are and to be, what, to be driven by your feelings. Um, it's not just the kids who get taught this way of thinking. Um, there's older people's movies too. Still, it's probably still G-rated, but you know the movie Greatest Showman? That's the kind of the adult version of the same message, be true to yourself. One of the key songs is that song partway through, um, it goes something like this. I am whom I'm meant to be. This is me. Look out, because here I come. 
I, I would sing it, but... <laughs> I'm marching on to the beat I drum. I'm not scared to be seen. I make no apologies. This is me. You can hear it, can't you? Be true to yourself. Be who you are. And everyone around will accept you and everything will be good. Um, there's pod positives to this way of thinking. We, we want to be real. We want to be genuine. We don't want to be fake. That's a positive. Be true to yourself, it fits. But as you kind of move from fiction to real life, you discover, well, it's not as simple as Disney makes it sound. Let me show you how it can get a little bit more confusing, a little bit more messy. Think of this sort of real life example. If you could think of someone who trained as an engineer, maybe. But then they decide after working as an engineer, their heart's just not in it. They want to be a primary school music teacher. Um, they probably chose engineering for all the wrong reasons after all. I mean, the older sibling might have done it, the uncle might have said it's the best thing to do, whatever it might be. They've been working as an engineer for a while, but they've decided their heart's not really in it. They're not really excelling in what they're doing either. And they're not really being who they're made to be. They want to be a primary school music teacher. Everyone's telling them not to be stupid, not to change career, but they've got to be true to who they are. Yeah, you can, you can feel it now. You can see the situation. But is it really your job? Is it really your career that defines who you are? I joke about it because it's not true. I joke about engineers being you know, some sort of extra special race or something, but it's not true. Your career doesn't define you. Your work doesn't define you. I mean, as you be a primary school music teacher, do people only see you as a primary school music teacher? Surely they also see you as a husband or a father or a son or a daughter or an uncle or an aunt. You're far more complex than just your career, just your job. So be true to yourself becomes a little bit more tricky, a little bit more complicated. Can you see that being true to yourself, it's not as simple as Disney wants it to be. Which part of yourself do you be true to? What about another example? Um, what about the person who feels that they are same-sex attracted? And so after years of ignoring their feelings and the way they feel, they eventually decide that they should be true to themselves. But how do you know that that is the right course of action? Is it only your feelings that should drive you? Or is it more important to take into account what others might say or what the Bible has to say? It all starts to become a little more complicated, doesn't it? Um, there's the added complication of how your decision will relate to those who are around you. So acting on your same-sex attraction, it may not be well-received by everyone around you. Disney says it will be, but trust me, it may not be well-received by those around you. When we move from real life, uh, move from fiction, Disney World, into real life, be true to yourself, well, it's got some complicated things about it, hasn't it? Be true to yourself. It's not as straightforward as Disney would have you think. Another example, um, the transgender person, the, the, the feeling like a girl trapped in a boy's body, for example. Disney movies say, be true to yourself, follow your feelings. But how do you know that that's the right thing to do? I mean, in 10 years' time, after you've gone through puberty, will you feel like that was the right thing to have done? 
in real life, be true to yourself, it's just not as simple. Another example, um, the person who finds himself in a marriage which feels like it's going stale. So they feel like they're putting on a show to those around them, pretending that they've got the perfect marriage. Shouldn't they be true to themselves? They now feel like their marriage was actually a mistake all along and they decide they need to be true to themselves and leave. So their decision to be true to themselves, it's going to have implications for their spouse, implications for their children, for their parents, for the friends around them that they love and care for. Their decision changes the lives of other people close to them. Is it right to be true to yourself? How do you know if it's right to be true to yourself? Is it right to be true to yourself despite what the implications going to be for everyone around you? Is it sensible to act on your feelings? Chase your heart. I mean, your feelings can change. Your emotional state can change. So it's not that straightforward. And then there's situations where, to be honest, people flatly do not want you to be true to yourself. Um, if you're a, a professing Christian, a follower of Jesus, and vocal about it, trust me, people in the workplace, people at school, people at uni, do not want you to be true to yourself. They don't want to hear it. Tolerance somehow has a limit when it feels like someone's telling you you're wrong, doesn't it? So at that point, be true to yourself while well, it's forgotten and gets replaced with this idea of tolerance that's selective tolerance somehow. So on the surface, without scrapping, uh, scratching too deep, the statement, be true to yourself, yeah, it sounds positive, it sounds appropriate, and it does have some good about it. But as you put it to the road test of real life, you start to see there's some weaknesses to it. It just doesn't cover everything, doesn't answer everything. It makes big questions come to mind. It raises questions like, well, can you trust your feelings? It raises questions like, can you make your, follow your feelings despite what it does to others around you? It raises questions like, how do you decide what is right, what is wrong? It raises questions like, what is right, what is wrong? So be true to yourself. All we've done, if you had a sermon outline, we've just thought about what people mean when they say be true to yourself. The second point in the sermon outline is to, is to say, well, okay, what does the Bible have to say on this? And you could go to a lot of places in the Bible, so I'll try to keep it short and tight. First up, I reckon the main thing is the Bible puts God in the picture. So to this point, you can make these decisions without God in the picture. If you're following your feelings, if you're being true to yourself, what God thinks doesn't matter. You read the Bible, you open the Bible, you see actually what God thinks does matter. God's the one who made us. God is the one who determines what is right and what is wrong. So be true to yourself becomes, for a Christian, be true to the way God's made you. Be true to who God wants you to be. That's what it becomes. In fact, being true to God trumps being true to yourself. God is bigger than you. God is more important than you. Um, here at Night Church, Steve Young's taken you through Genesis. If you think back to Genesis chapter 1, I'll just read a few verses to you. No need to look it up. Genesis 1 verse 26 reads, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. So this is God talking. 
so that they may rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, over the livestock and wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. And so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them. You keep reading through Genesis and you get a very clear picture that God has made us purposefully. God's given us a purpose for living. God's given us our identity. He's made us kind of like him in his image, in that we relate, in that we rule over this world that God has made, rule over it under him. So how does all that intersect with our statement, be true to yourself? Well, it's not just about what we want or what we think or what we feel. It's all about God, what God wants, what God's made us for, what God says. The Bible says has more to say. If you keep reading through Genesis, you come into chapter 2 and into chapter 3, and you start to see you've got to factor in sin. You've got to factor in the idea or the truth that Adam and Eve chose to disobey God. God said, do this. They said, no, I'll do it my way. I'll do this. And so sin came into the world and God punishes sin. And so then by the time you get to Genesis chapter three, you start to see the implications of this as we're made to enjoy this world, but it's become a battle to live in this world. Relationships which ought to be perfect teamwork become strained and a struggle. Our work that's supposed to be a joy becomes hard. Our bodies are affected by living in a fallen world. Um, And our feelings, our emotions are affected. Jump forward to Jeremiah. He says, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? We live in a fallen, broken world judged by God. And so be true to yourself starts to get very murky. Um, As Christians, we believe that Jesus has dealt with sin. He's dealt with the consequences of sin. He's dealt with the punishment for sin. And so when you put your trust in Jesus, you're forgiven, you're given new life. But until Jesus returns, we still go on living in a fallen world that's under God's judgment, where things aren't perfect, where there are genetic disorders, where there is pain, where there are mental challenges, where there are broken relationships, where we struggle to trust each other, where we struggle to serve one another. When you become a Christian, yes, you know forgiveness and new life, but until Jesus returns, there's this battle with our fallen, broken self in a fallen, judged world. Now we come to the passage that was read to us. It was only short, but if you got it there, you're looking at Romans chapter 1. This is what the Apostle Paul wrote to Christians in Rome. And the Apostle Paul, he's describing the fallen nature. He's describing sin and God's punishment of it. And so when you come to 1 verse 18, it says, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. The Apostle Paul is saying, you look around you in this world, You cannot deny it. There is a God. He made us. He made us purposefully. You suppress that truth, and that makes God angry, and we all do it. Suppressing the truth, it's this futile activity. I mean, you can pretend you've you've managed it for a time, but it's like holding air underwater. It will come to the surface. It's futile, but we all do it. And so the Apostle Paul says, God's anger is being unleashed. God's judgment is being unleashed. 
against humans for the way that we do that. We push God to one side. We suppress what we ought to know. So you keep reading, chapter 1, verse 20. Since, uh, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what's been made, so that people are without excuse. It's not a very politically correct passage, but if you take God's word seriously, here's Paul saying, you look at the world, you can see in God's deeds and God's actions that he exists. It's wrong to say that he doesn't. You keep reading. Um, it's not done yet. Verse 21, 1 verse 21. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools. This is the description of us, of human beings, pushing God to one side and living our own way. Our ability to know what's right is fundamentally flawed when we push God to one side like that. Be true to ourselves while in that state, well, it doesn't bode well, does it? The next little bit can be even harder to hear, so we're just you know, reading through Romans chapter 1, we're up to verse 24. This is difficult because it's like God confirms us in our choice. We push God to one side and he goes, okay, have it like that. So verse 24 goes, Therefore God gave them over in their sinful desires with their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. That's where the reading finished. If you keep going, verse 26, Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lusts. Even their women exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones and on it goes. How can we even know what's right and what's wrong when we're suppressing the truth, when we're pushing God who determines what right, what's right and what's wrong, when we push him to one side? The Bible says that ever since Adam and Eve, our instinct has been to choose what's wrong. And the assessment of the human nature, it continues in Romans chapter 1. I'll leave you to read down to verse 30 in your own time. But you look at it and you think, yeah, okay, be true to yourself. It sounds a bit hollow now, doesn't it? If that's who we are, if that's what our heart is like, being true to that doesn't sound good. See, what the Apostle Paul is doing is he's letting us see the reality of sin, what it is like to push God to one side, but he's not done there. You keep reading, you come to Romans chapter 3, and it turns a corner. He starts to spell out the difference Jesus makes. You come to Romans chapter 3, verse 23, and you read, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. We can make the biggest mess of ourselves. We can make the biggest mess of our family, our lives, our work, but God can sort it all out. Most importantly, he can deal with the consequences of pushing God to one side. He can make us right with him. And anyone can become a Christian. Anyone can start living for Jesus. It's like you get a, a second chance, a third chance. So we're thinking about this saying, be true to yourself. And when you put the, that statement against what the Bible teaches, well, in a fallen world, under the judgment of God, being true to our fallen self, it's not recommended. Put it that way. As Christians, we thank God for saving us from ourselves. And as Christians, we pray that 
as we put our trust in Jesus, he will keep working in us and change us to be more like him. In other words, we don't want to be true to ourselves. We want to be more like Christ. We want him to be at work in us. And so you keep reading through Romans. You come to chapter 12 and it all comes together. In chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, he's had 11 chapters of unpacking everything Jesus has done for us. In view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. As Christians, we respond to God's mercy and God's grace in Jesus by giving our life to God. It's not about pleasing me. It's not about being true to myself. It's about being true to God, living for God. Um, Jesus talks about denying yourself, taking up your cross. And so becoming a Christian means we follow Jesus, not our heart, not our feelings. We become a follower of Jesus. So you keep reading in Romans 12, verse 2, it says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. Put God first. Let him work in you. Fill your, your mind and your heart with God's word. Let him transform the way you think and the way that you behave. So it's not about being true to myself. It's about becoming who God wants me to be. It's about changing. Be true to yourself. It's, it's not a saying that you can live by if you're a Christian. Be true to God is what we want to do. We want to ask God to keep working in us and changing us. And anyone can do that. Anyone can become a Christian. Um, we're thinking about this saying, be true to yourself. What do people mean when they say be true to yourself? Well, it's a principle on which people make huge decisions, big decisions. In its simplified form, in its Disney form, it sounds good. And there is some good about it, being true to yourself. But when you put it to the test of real life, it falls short. And then you open the Bible, and the Bible says, no, be true to God. Put God first in everything. Give up your life in service of God and ask God to work in you and transform you so that you'll know what's right in God's eyes. And then you'll know how to make those difficult decisions. So the last point in the sermon outline is, well, where does that leave us? It, kind of, it leaves us in a challenging situation. We want to agree with the statement, be true to yourself, because there is good in it. We want to agree, but... Honestly, we want to put God first as Christians. We, 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 we want to be true to ourselves in terms of not giving in to peer pressure. We want to be true to ourselves in being honest. We want to stand up for what we know is right. But over all that, we want to be true to God. True to God is what really matters. Because as Christians, our identity is in Christ and being like him. Um, being who God wants us to be, it is going to put you at odds with the world around. Jesus said you'll be hated because of him. It's not going to be like in the movies where when you, you know, be what you believe, you're not going to be accepted by those around you. So where does it leave us? Be true to yourself. The Bible doesn't give us reason to agree. We want to take care that um, I reckon if you've got kids or if you're going to have kids, yeah, sure, let them watch all the movies, all the cartoons they like, but help them think critically. It is fiction you're watching. There's truth in there, but not a whole lot. Help them filter the good from the bad. Remember that you know, there's a director that's put this movie together and they're putting a little message in there. Be critical as you watch it. Take the good, filter out the bad, keep your eyes open. 
We do want our kids to be honest, to be, um, to be themselves, not to be someone else. But we don't want them to, and we don't want them to cave into peer pressure. But if they live as Christians, they'll actually be trying to be like Christ, and that will make them different. And for all of us, whether you're going to have kids or not, when it comes to real life, don't make your big decisions based on feelings alone. You'll come unstuck. When it comes to making right decisions, don't harden your conscience by following your heart. Don't always trust your feelings. Fill your mind with God's word. Pray and ask God to transform your heart. Take advice from other Christians that you trust. And as you're thinking about all this, I know it stirs up a lot of questions. And if you're, you know, weighing stuff up, don't do that alone. Talk with someone you trust. I'm happy to have a chat after church, so long as we get back in time for the footy. No, happy to talk after church. But there'll be others who you trust who you should start the conversation with. Be true to yourself? Well, no. Understand yourself, yes. And ask God to transform your sinful self. Be true to yourself? Well, no. Be true to the gospel. Be true to God's word. Let God's word shape you and who you are. Be true to yourself? No. Be true to God. Let God be God. When you put your faith in Jesus, that is where you find your identity. You are a follower of Jesus. Be true to that. I'm going to pray, um, but hopefully the conversation's only just started for most of us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we know that we are sinful. We know that the inclination of our heart is to constantly turn away from you. We know that because of that, we deserve your wrath and your judgment. But Father, we also know that you sent your son, Jesus. We thank you that he lived the perfect life that we can't. We thank you that in his death, he took the punishment that we deserve. And Father, we thank you that you've raised Jesus to life again as ruler over everything. Lord, please forgive us, we pray. Please transform and renew us. Please help us to live with Jesus as our Lord, our King, and our Saviour. Please help us live for you in every way. And Lord, we pray that as a church that we'd be helping each other to do just this.